Welcome to the AT. Oh, we got to record. Fuck. No, we're recording. We're good. Ah! What is going on, guys? I am Paul Ryan, your host of the ATB Fantasy Show. This show is part of the Across the Board Sports Podcast family. If you're new to the show, thank you for joining us. And to our regular listeners, welcome back. Uh, This is episode two of my draft strategy series. Last time we discussed super flex strategies with John Hogue. Uh, This week we're discussing tight end premium strategies with the tight end enthusiast, the owner, operator, and creator of the site Guru Fantasy World, Mr. David Gattietti. Is it, did I say it right, David? Ooh, you put some spice on it. You didn't say it right, but you said it better. I'm going to start saying it like that. <laughs> How is it properly pronounced? I, I meant it's, to ask you prior to, to recording, man. I apologize. <laughs> no, don't apologize at all. You probably would have butchered it anyways. Nobody says it right the first time on the first guess. It's Gatiri. Gatiri, okay. There, there are people in my family who might slightly pronounce it differently. So, you know, it's one of those, you know, who, who really knows? Just kind of. Have fun. So Gutieri. <laughs> yeah, so there you is it, a, it's, is it Italian, I assume? Yes. Very cool. Well, David, uh, you know, I've got us off to a weird start, but how are you tonight? I'm excellent, man. I'm, I'm doing great. It's, it's good to finally uh, podcast with you, do some collaborate. This is our first time together. Yeah, I mean, we, we used to talk quite a bit, and, you know, I know uh, – over time, like the timeline changes and you might not talk to people you, you used to talk with uh, quite a bit. But like I was telling you before we, we we hopped on, I was like, you always just seem like a cool person. And with tight end premium being such a big, uh, a real popular format right now, I said, I got to chop it up with David because he's been talking about the importance of a, a tight end and, and fantasy for quite some time. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. Well, David, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at Guru Fantasy World, W R L D, no O. They, they cut me off. That, that's quite the uh, handle there, man. Yeah, it was one character short, so I, I had to, I had to choose which one was gonna go. Right. Well, David, I, I know you're new to the show, but before we get started, we have to discuss uh, one thing first. In honor of the previous show host and friend of mine, Rich Maletto, aka Bodacious Beer, on Twitter. We cannot discuss any football without me asking, what you drinking tonight? I'll tell you, I'm drinking straight water all night today, tomorrow, and probably until the start of the regular season, like we were talking about before I went to the Fantasy Football Expo, which if you're a content creator, if you're a listener, it, it, you, it was welcome for anybody there. It was a great time. Definitely, you should be going to that next year. Well worth the trip for me. I drove 12 hours. Well worth the trip to the Hall of Fame in Canton. Uh, I had a little bit too much fun, and I had a little bit too much to drink that weekend. And uh, I tell you what, I've got some recovering to do. So I'm just on a strictly water diet for now. <laughs> yeah, you know, I believe the uh, the expo was about two weeks two weeks ago. So the fact that you're still recovering, man, that says that you had a good time. Yeah, it fried my brain in all of the best ways, but it <laughs> it fried my brain. Well, David, let me ask you, what is your drink of choice when you are out, you know, uh, maybe watching the game or hanging out with some friends? I was drinking Blue Moon at the expo at the bar. With or without the orange slice? 
I, t- I like the orange, but I'm not, I'm not picky. I'm not a real picky drinker, you know, as long as, and I don't go heavy. Like I don't, not a big IPA drinker, but if, as long as it's light, I'll drink it. I, I've had a lot of long nights with some blue moon on my, as, as I've gotten older, I don't know if my stomach can hand, handle it much like it used to back in the day, but that was one of my favorite. Oh, I didn't, I didn't sure. handle it well. So. <laughs> Apparently not if you're still recovering, right? Yeah. Well, tonight, uh, you know, David, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the brand Shiner, but I'm having a Shiner sea salt and lime beer. If you can Ooh. see that right there. Okay. It's pretty good. Very refreshing. Shiner's more of a darker beer, not like on Guinness's level, but, um, Closer to um, maybe like a Dos Equis lager. So this is actually really light. Again, the sea salt and lime. It's a nice summer beer. Nice. I know you probably, said you're not. Probably really... beats my water and flavor. I'd be willing to bet on that. Yeah, that'd have to be some pretty good water. It's not. <laughs> well, David, let's discuss Guru Fantasy World. What made you start it? Um, I don't know, man. I just... I got into this space. I let's. I got into writing before I got into fantasy football writing. Uh, I went to school for it. I was just kind of used it. I went through a lot of stuff as a kid. A lot of stuff in high school, getting into trouble, um, personal stuff, you know, relationship stuff. Just had a lot of issues, and writing was my outlet. So eventually, it just kind of branched out to fantasy football as well, and. Uh, one day it just kind of struck me. I, I started and what I titled myself as, you know, the guru, the fantasy guru. And I realized, okay, maybe I'm not the first guy who's done this, you know, the fantasy guru. And then it just kind of made sense. You know, what's a more inclusive kind of, cause I want to, I want to help people ultimately, you know, I want to help people, not just give them good advice, but give them good tools. You yeah. know, and that was, that was kind of the basis of guru fantasy world, turn it into that something where I can create uh, an encyclopedia, which is what I'm working on, and uh, kind of just a strategy base and just kind of uh, give the information to, to people freely so that way they can kind of use it to, uh, to better themselves in their games. Very cool. You know, David, I'm curious, what, what did you write before you started writing fantasy content? Uh, I was a short story uh, writer, poetry writer. I just, I went to school for business. Okay. Didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I just realized I was kind of not bad at writing and then I enjoyed it and uh, started taking short story classes, uh, poetry classes. uh, And eventually just the sports just connected. And, you know, that's been my path for about the past two years. Very cool. Well, you know, have any of your short stories or poems ever been published? No. At least I don't believe so. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's like sixth grade. I think I had one in one of those that they put in the, <laughs> the, the, the you know, the country one. Uh, but that's it. Very cool. It's, it's interesting that you were able to find the connection between, you know, your short stories and poetry and, and fantasy as well. Yeah. Well, when people visit the uh, Guru site, what, what can they expect to find? They can expect to find nothing right now because it's just <laughs> collecting dust right now. If, if you click it, it's uh, my old blogspot.com. Uh, and I've, I tried uh, creating WordPress. I'm not actually great at creating websites, I found out. It's a whole nother uh, challenge. So uh, I'm having someone else build it for me. It's under construction right now. It'll probably be ready some way uh, midway through the season. I was hoping it'd be before the season, but 
you know, I'd rather do it right than, than do it fast. So uh, eventually, though, we will have a website, but it'll just be gurufantasyworld.com. And it will just be, like I said, there'll be an encyclopedia, which will have all, uh, any term you can think of. I will eventually get added. If it's not added, I'll have a submission form and like acronyms, you know, uh, OTB, OTC, whatever it is, you know, ET, ETA. I don't even know if that is one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For fantasy, like, but they, whatever, you know, so that's, that's what it will eventually be. Uh, it'll just be a tool and a resource for you to find. Very cool. Well, when I was looking looking through the site, I saw that you had a fade list up, and I was surprised to see Tyler Higby on your list. Is there a reason why? That's funny because, like I said, if you're looking through the site, that would be last year's fade uh, list. And I, didn't, I didn't hear that. I'm sorry. I, I didn't. Right. I guess I didn't understand that. I apologize. It's all right because he's still on it, Paul. He hasn't <laughs> gone anywhere. He hasn't gone anywhere. One thing that has gone somewhere. I think my mic popped up. Well, David, you know, again, I apologize for misunderstanding you there about Tyler Higby still being on your fade list. You know, again, we were talking prior to recording and I was telling you that I didn't really know how to feel about this Rams offense. I know that Matthew Stafford's a good quarterback. It was just more so about trying to pick which weapon to start each week. And again, just uh, uh, for something in the pit of my stomach is just not, hasn't got me as excited as others about this Rams offense. But we're talking about Tyler Higby. Is, is Jacob Harris somebody that, that you like on the Rams as maybe a stash and dynasty? Oh, absolutely. Jacob, Jacob Harris is a stash. And I think uh, the, the thing with Tyler Higby, it was never a Jared Goff issue with Tyler Higby. His issue is more Tyler Higby and Sean McVay related. That's, that's the issue with Tyler Higby. And he was a fade last year and he's a fade this year. Uh, for some reason, uh, just based on the quarterback change, people are starting to envision, you know, a whole nother usage, but when you look at Tyler Higby, he was one used primarily as a blocker, which we knew because he came into the league, didn't produce a whole lot through three seasons, was paid a hefty contract clearly as a blocker before he even had that massive five game, you know, blip on the radar where he went crazy for a little bit, but he's blocking 21% of pass plays. And he's going to be sharing snaps with tennis. You look at last year, it was Gerald Everett. He scored 58% of the Rams. This Tyler Herbie, 58% of the Rams fantasy points from tight ends. He, he wasn't even at like 60, 70, you know, 80%. He was at 58%. So that that's almost half split. Right. And Jacob Harris would talk about. He's already looking On the radar. Good playing well in preseason he had like four catches in their first game mm-hmm. i don't believe he's going to sit on the sidelines and take notes on clipboard all year bryson hopkins as well i don't believe if jacob harris is sitting on the sidelines he's not going to be sitting on the sidelines so tyler higby's one going to be splitting snaps in production mm-hmm. with either one or two other tight ends in the system they brought in deshaun jackson drafted tutu atwell as well you know he's going to be used as a blocker from from matthew stafford so yeah Matthew Stafford gives him a bump. Let's make that clear. He's an upgrade from Jared Goff. Uh, they traded two first-round picks to bring him in, so that it's quite clear he's an upgrade. Everybody oh, yeah. knows he's an upgrade, but it doesn't change a whole lot about who Tyler Higby is. You know, we don't. He, he's not an athlete, as far as we know. He didn't run his forty or at the combine. I believe he's recovering from injury. Um, player profiler doesn't have a good time for his forty. I don't know where they got it, but it's not a good time he didn't produce through three years other than that five game stretch you know we don't have anything to go on 
to project him running all of routes, to project him dominating the tight end output and fantasy production for the Rams. So, you know, he's a fade last year. Jacob Harris, you know, I've got my eye on him. He, I think he, at the end of the year, he could potentially be a guy who you're picking up off waiver wires even this year. You know, one Rams pass catcher you you didn't mention, I just want to get your thoughts on him, but what are your thoughts on Van Jefferson? I don't have a whole lot of thoughts about Van Jefferson. <laughs> I won't spend too much time with the show on that. That's that's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> you said everything I need to hear, David. You know, he's he's a wide receiver three. They have Deshaun Jackson. I, I expect it'll probably be some sort of rotation, to be honest. The wide receiver, wide receiver three spot, Jackson, Jefferson, and Atwell. I expect they'll all get time, but the best game, as always, is probably going to run through Cooper Cup and Robert Woods for the Rams. And then Daryl Henderson, right? If that's the role he's relegated to, we'll see. You know, he, they probably trust him more than Michelle on third down. So, well, you know, David, we, we were talking about tight ends, and depending on who you talk to there on Twitter, it seems like there's a mixed perception of value in tight ends in Dynasty. Well, why do you think it is that some people devalue tight ends there? if I have an answer to that it's because it's a good question and I, I would assume I only have guesses I would assume it's the same reasons they're undervaluing tight end and redraft and I'm not sure why are they getting to be honest you know I've made, been doing my best to convince them you know I've been pounding my fist pounding the table <laughs> you know trying to convince them but I think it's got a lot to do with the emotional side of the game you know it's not traditional to uh, draft a tight end early in fantasy so with one of your first two picks, you know, uh, instead of a running back or wide receiver. And people just, there haven't been as many great ones. You know, think about all the great wide receivers in the past decade, two decades. You know, there haven't been as many great emotional attachments to a tight end for fantasy players, you know. Uh, and I would assume the players who are drafting, the, the few great fantasy tight ends are drafting them over and over and over again. And, you know, it's the same guys experiencing it. Whereas with wide receivers and running backs, we, we can pick and choose any ones we want to have this emotional attachment to. You know, you can think of a running back probably last year who you loved and this year and who you're going to love again and then the, the next year. So uh, I think a lot of it has to do with that. It doesn't feel good and, you know, it doesn't give you tingly feelings as much to take the tight end, you know, or there are a lot of people. It does for me. It's kind of like the boring play, right? Yeah, like it. it I think that's got a lot to do with it. And I think tight ends for, for a while, the top ones at least, will, will probably continue to be undervalued. Yeah, I know people think that if you don't have a top three tight end, then you're, you know, there's not much different from four to 12. Would you, do you agree with that thought? Four to 12, I would disagree with that because I do think there's difference between four to 12. Um, I don't think there's a huge difference, but uh, I don't think it's as simple as just if you don't get the top three guys punt. I don't think it's that simple. Well, which tight end do you have rostered most in, in your dynasty leagues? In dynasty? Yes, I have sir. I have my dynasty tight end one rostered in, I believe, 75%. Uh, I've been trying to bring that down a little bit and, and get my plan B guy, but it's Kyle Pitts. I'm, I'm paying oh, wow. up. I am paying up for Kyle Pitts all over the place. I'm stamping my name next to his if i'm on the kyle pitt ship if it goes down david g's going down with it <laughs> tell you that uh, kyle pitts man he 
he's once in once in a generation guy, and that gets thrown around a lot. He really is. Uh, I've spent more than more time than I should already uh, talking about this guy. To be honest, I wrote a whole thread. If you want to check that out on Twitter, it's making the case for Kyle Pitts as the dynasty rookie one one So I'm willing to take him over Trevor Lawrence. Uh, all the quarterbacks in this class as well. I mean, I, I've been investing second round dynasty starter picks into Kyle Pitts. So uh, I don't expect the re returns. If you're just expecting it all to come in year one, it's not going to happen. Um, but this guy's in for a long, long, long productive uh, above replacement level career at a very tough position to find above replacement level production. So um, I've been all in, uh, but I'm starting to try and, uh, pass let someone else have the fun and try and pick up no no fan a little bit uh a little bit later because he's going a, a good amount cheaper than Kyle Pitts right now so you know you, you mentioned that you have 75 percent roster ship in Kyle Pitts have you had to or when acquiring him trading for him did you trade for the pick to draft him or have you traded for him you know since he's been on a, on somebody else's roster the that's almost exclusively startups uh, from Dynasty this year. One of them was from uh, last year. I just started playing Dynasty last year. Okay, okay. Um, so I'm, Redraft has been, I've been playing that for about 15, I don't know, 20 years now. It's probably not more, more than that. Uh, not less than that, actually, if I do nothing. Mental math is not my strong point. <laughs> and, and I like to give myself too much credit sometimes. <laughs> don't we all, sir? Yeah, but... Um, yeah, Dynasty, uh, it's been pretty much just drafting, uh, drafting and starts. And the one time I did trade for him from the team last year, it was two first round picks and a player. I forget the, uh, the player who, who it was. It wasn't, a, I don't think, a stud, but it was a good player. I understand. Well, you know, tight end premium format has been kind of taking the uh, summer by storm, or, you know, been kind of the more uh, popular formats to play in. Is that your favorite fantasy format? Uh, no, I've actually, it's pretty new to me as well. Tight end premium. Uh, I, I'm a traditional PPR guy, uh, but I, I like all types of leagues for the most part. I even dipped my toes into ID, IDP last year and I had a good time. IDP is really fun, dude. People should play it more. It was, I had a good time and I, it was in the fantasy and frames, uh, tournament and it was a 64 team tournament and I was writing for them at the time. So it was actually a good, cause I made it to the championship round my first year playing uh, idp i lost to dave richard but it felt good to, to do well my first year in idp very nice man well you know I, I guess uh you said you're still new to tight end premium but would you consider starting the format where you have to start two tight ends the same as tight end premium no absolutely not why uh, is that there's probably a couple reasons um once the tight end premium is affecting the scoring format, which is going to affect different players differently. Yeah. So it's going to separate the top tier of tight ends from the middle and lower tier even more. Because if you're getting an extra half a point per reception, it's obviously going to separate 50 receptions from 90 plus receptions. It's going to make the gap even bigger. In mm -hmm. um, two tight end, that doesn't affect the scoring. And in tight end premium you're not required to start a second tight end so you're still only looking to really invest for me at least in one tight end um, even in tight end premium 
especially in redraft, you're only, you should only be investing in one tight end, I, I think, because if you go two of the top three, you're giving up two of your you know first four round picks when you could be adding running backs and a wide receiver to mm-hmm. your core. Um, and really the advantage comes from that first tight end is having that, uh, whether it's Kelsey Killer, Kittle or Waller in redraft, having that advantage in your tight end slot. In two tight end, you need to be drafting a second tight end earlier. Um, then it obviously becomes more of an option to take a Kelsey and a Waller uh, in a two tight end, where in a tight end premium, it's not really something I would like to be doing. Mm-hmm. So there are a few major differences, um, especially if they're combined, then, you know, that's a, an even different game. Well, you know, I, for conversation's sake, I want to ask you this. Let's just say it was a 12 team start two tight end league. Would you rather start maybe you have pick 12 and you go back to back Kelsey Waller or you have the number one overall pick and you go CMC, Noah Fant, and Kyle Pitts? That's tough. That's tough. Uh, I think you'd have to tell me who, how, how the rest of my running back crew would end up with, with the uh... – Kelsey Waller crew <laughs> right. because I only heard two guys there and then I got three on the other side. So it's a little bit more exciting to give uh, easier to get excited about uh, a trio than a, a duo. <laughs> Understandable. I guess, uh, again, you know, you, you say that the, the real value in tight end premium comes from the scoring. I guess you don't see their, that tight end being a premium and too tight end, even though you have, you, realistically have to have two good tight ends to to be a contender in a format that way i think uh i've gotten away from over and over investing at any position early in a redraft um i'm i've gotten back to my balanced roots where i'm trying to anchor at multiple positions of scarcity and running back is very scarce as much as i'll be the first guy to tell you tight end is scarcer than running back, which I believe it is. Um, you look at just like 150 point scores last year, we had 30 running backs who scored 150 points. You had seven tight ends who scored 150 points. So there was more than enough running backs uh, to fill two plus slots on each roster. There wasn't enough to fill one tight end slot on every roster. Um, so I'll be the first one to tell you tight ends are scarcer than running backs, but running backs are a close second, a darn close second. And they're a lot scarcer than a wide receiver quarterback even especially uh in a in a one quarterback league but i'm trying to get a running back and a tight end with my first two picks that's like i said i'm I'm trying to avoid over investing anywhere uh, that's why i'm not taking two tight ends unless it was a two tight end format i would consider it but other than that trying to anchor with a running back and a tight end at depth later i think there's enough value uh, in some of the later guys which i think we'll talk about a little bit later there's enough value where you can possibly find a, a quality second tight end later in the draft you know you were talking a little bit about your strategy in the startup how much does your strategy change based on your draft spot um well round one i think it goes without saying it your draft spot almost entirely determines like what your round one strategy is going to be, I think, or, or what player I should say, uh, because you, you can only pick the guy that you're, you know, obviously high enough to pick. Right. But for me, I think I'm pretty much 
implementing the same construction wise uh, in every dynasty startup, just with different players. Uh, in dynasty, instead of anchoring with the running back, I'm trying to anchor with uh, an elite quarterback and Kyle Pitts, <laughs> uh, and then try and you know anchor down those uh, long longevity positions where they're going to have the long shelf life. Where I'm going to be able to legitimately project five plus years, like it's I don't have to think about it for the rest of this dynasty team until I want to think about it. Um, but other than that, you know, I'm pretty much doing the same thing every draft. It's starting quarterback, tight end. I'll try and get one running back if I can, who I like from the 2020 class, whichever one if I can. The latest it was Travis Etienne, uh, or 2020, I should say 2020 or 2021, both the last two classes. It was ETN who I was getting a lot of Javante Williams, who I'm getting a lot of because they're the guys who slipped to like the fifth round. And, and then I'm just loading up on wide receivers round five through nine, uh, trying to get the IU Higgins, Clay Pools, uh, the guys who have value later, uh, Terrace Marshall, Michael Gallup. Uh, have a lot of those guys in Dynasty. You know, when you, when you were breaking that down, I was just sitting here thinking that I think a lot of people are starting to kind of cool on Michael Gallup. And while he might not have the season, a lot of us were getting excited about, uh, you know, when we heard the reports about him and coming out of the slot and everything, you, when you have guys like that on your roster, their value can change so much that even if they're players, you might not ever start on a week to week basis. They were worth rostering just for what you could get in return for a deal. And for me, for Michael Gallup, it's, it is possibly, for a deal, but I'm looking to just the return of tack. Like, I, especially in some of these dynasties, you're starting three flexes. Oh, yeah. Sometimes three flexes on top of three wide receivers. Oh, man, yeah. Um, and you, you ha have to fill it with a body. And Michael Gallup is more than just a body. He's a He's guy. He's more than a body, yeah. You know, if you look at the highs and the lows, you're getting, there will be frustration at time. But he's apt to go off for 30 points to 25 plus fantasy points in a game and uh the return of Dak they're talking about using him in the slot a little bit which I think will be huge mm -hmm. uh, because I think a lot of the issue last year was they were just using him in deep routes over and over and over again just sending Michael Gallup deep so if they start to do that the return of Dak it could be a better year this year and he goes into free agency next year so he's got a contract up. I, I just see nothing but him going upwards from where you're drafting him right now. Uh, you're getting him in like the ninth round of dynasty startups. So I have a lot of, a lot of Michael Gallup uh, on my teams. Yeah. And if you're starting three wide receivers every week, I mean, to have Michael Gallup as your wide receiver three, you could do a lot worse. He's really kind of like the, the ideal wide receiver three in that format, really. Yeah, anytime he can go off. That's that's the kind of guys you should be targeting, I think. Agreed. Well, you know, I know you said you, you've you uh, got quite a bit of Kyle Pitts in your recent startup drafts, but is there another uh, – is there a late-round guy that you're targeting more often than not? Um, yes, there's a trio. It's the same trio I've been targeting in redraft. It's been pretty aligned in those two formats, and – I think you can get a good, I'm targeting his backups. Let's make that clear. But if I was a late round tight end kind of guy uh, who was going to punt the position, mm -hmm. the guys I would be targeting, uh, we'll say later than Noah Fant because I think he's sneaking up in dynasty and redraft. He is sometimes falling. I still think you should take him even in redraft. 
Um, I think the quarterback play will be good enough, and he's just a good enough player. But the trio of late rounders, I'll call them, I would say, are Jonu Smith, if, if he can get his ankle healthy, Gerald Everett, and Evan Ingram. And these guys are all all clear, clear paths to either number two or number three in a high-octane system, possibly number one for Jonu, um, probably number two behind Jacoby Myers. But they all have athleticism, and they uh, are proven uh, – Athletes, Evan Ingram's proven production, and the other two, Everett and Jonu, have um, increased their production in four straight years. So every year they've taken a step forward in receptions, in yardage. Fifth year, what do you think is going to happen? Probably going to take a step forward. Jonu Smith was just paid four years, $50 million. Mm-hmm. Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, I believe they're competent and creative. And that if they went out and paid Jonah Smith four years, $50 million in the midst of his progression, he's going to take that step this year. They're going to involve him and get him pending health. If his can just stop getting banged up, which just seems to be the problem with so many of our favorite players in fantasy. Um, and then Gerald Everett, he is, doesn't have path to number two, which isn't, isn't great for fantasy outside, but, not, the number three is very important in this role. And there are a lot of number threes that can be important. Number three targets and systems because Russell Wilson's thrown 30 plus touchdowns in four straight years. He threw 40 touchdowns last year, 40, 40. So you could give 15 to uh, DK and 10 to lock it. That's 25. There's still 15 touchdowns up for grabs. And, Gerald Everett is, again, an athlete. Uh, he's progressed in four straight years. He, they paid him to be the starter. Uh, Shane Waldron is taking over as coordinator for Schottenheimer. And all, all the talk coming out of there is that they're going to open up the pass game a little bit. You know, it's not going to be as much like trying to be, you know, old school quite as much as it, as it was before. And they're going to let Russ cook. And Russ is just really, really good. He's going to cook no matter what. Um, maybe for our, the second half of the year, too. So, Gerald Everett, I think he's a great bet to be like a at Robert Tunyon type of uh, breakout performer where maybe he's not going for 900 plus yards, but if he gets 50, 60 receptions, maybe 700, 750 yards, and he ends up with eight, nine, maybe 10 touchdowns, something he has one of those, you know, his career touchdown year. Uh, I think he's a great bet to uh, spike in value for definitely uh, Dynasty and uh, to, to be the guy. Uh, that you want to target and redraft. You know, one thing about uh, Gerald Everett is for a man his size, he, he's never had a season where he's had a lot of touchdowns, but what's been most impressive about his game to me, at least, has been his yard after the catch ability. And then you think about him getting an uptick in volume and what he can, you know, playing with a guy like Russell Wilson, who no disrespect to Jared Goff, but he's not on Russell Wilson's level. level that, that has to get you pretty excited. And there's no Tyler Higby, you know, in, in you know, stealing snaps and routes from him where it's almost an identical situation right it with the rams where you had uh two wide receivers where yeah. it was woods and cup and then you had the split tight ends you know and now you have the same thing two wide receivers there's really not a, a wide receiver three to be found on the team Dwayne Eskridge, who knows maybe he's good but mm-hmm. odds aren't great on him being more than a role player and then he's it's gerald has got the whole room now with a better quarterback you know, and he's, he's still ridiculously cheap. So uh, 
I, I don't think I don't know what's going on. I I was pounding the table all season long about Adam Troutman. You should stop stop drafting Adam Troutman before. And I was going to talk some smack about him too tonight, but he, he got hurt last week, so I'm not allowed to to do Adam Troutman trash talk anymore. You know, and it stinks because I wanted to do some more. <laughs> well, what don't you like about Adam Troutman? He again, he's like uh, Tyler Higby, but slower. Like we talked about, Higby blocking twenty one percent of his passes, Troutman blocked 15%. He runs a 4-8-40. There, there were zero tight ends in the top 24 fantasy Titans last year to run slower than a 4 7 5. Zero. Oh, wow. Zero out of top top 24. He runs a 4-8-0. Adam Troutman runs a 4-8-0. And all he's got going for him is the the agility score, which I think was this three cone. He had a nice three cone or a nice shuttle. Um which again, look at guys like Ian Thomas, even Nick Boyle had a nice looking shut, shuttle and agility score on player profiler. It, it's not a whole lot. He didn't do anything as a rookie. And it was the situation, right? People wanted to prop him up because of the situation. But again, we had Marcus Callaway, Traquan Smith, who looked like in front of the order. Uh, Alvin Kamara, obviously, is going to command the most targets out of any of them. So I just don't think he ever profiled to be anything more than a blocking role player. That's what they drafted him to be. Uh, and I think the injuries clouds it, but I think, I, again, you'll see over the course of his career, that's what he's going to be. He's going to be a nice role player and uh, no situation is going to turn him into anything more. Talking about Adam Chapman, who do you think wins that quarterback battle in New Orleans, Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston? It's sure favoring Jameis after the last uh, preseason. I don't see how it can't be. I don't see how it can't be. I mean, what is he doing on the team? If you were going to go with Taysom Hill, you should have made that decision a while ago. I think I think Jace, uh, Jameis Winston deserves uh, at this point to, to at least see see what you got in him. You, you don't like Adam Chapman. What about Jawan Johnson tied in out of New Orleans? Definitely keeping an eye on him. Added him in a few 30 roster spot dynasty leagues with the last spot. Um, I'm keeping an eye on him. That's what we're looking for is these converted wide receivers, uh, guys with athleticism who aren't going to be asked to block, pass block on hopefully more than 5%, definitely not more than 10%, 15%. Uh, absolutely not. Uh, that's what we're looking for. And especially with a role, potential path to a, a number one or two role in their system right now other than michael thomas it's marquez callaway who's balling out in the preseason and i don't know little jordan humphrey trey Quan, who has been missing practice like he's got a chance to matter this year in redraft so don't draft him but keep an eye on him in redraft for sure yeah well david we've talked a lot about tight ends that you've been drafting tight ends that you're kind of avoiding and I know there's a, you, you've got quite the list of ones that you've been uh, acquiring in Dynasty, but here in 2021, what which tight end are you are you targeting just for strictly for redraft? Am I targeting? Like you're targeting, uh, you know, not, not strictly for redraft, I apologize, but uh, other than Kyle Pitts and Noah Fan, is there somebody else that, that you're targeting in Dynasty this year? In Dynasty, no, it really is is those two guys. If I have TJ Hawkinson, I'm trying to turn him into no fan, especially if I can get a no fan plus. Absolutely. Oh, really? I am uh, TJ Hawkinson in my book is, there's some definite question marks. 
I think a lot of people are just giving him the free pass. He's the next elite tight end because Detroit has nobody. I don't know if it's, it's quite that simple. Um, we talked about the athletics and I have a full thread against TJ Oxton right too. If you want to look that up uh, <laughs> under my name, just Twitter search my handle and making the case against TJ Hawkins and you'll find that. I haven't heard a lot about this offseason. I like sure. I like TJ Hawkins and I sure do, but I don't love him because okay. he, number one, he's not a super, super athlete. He's running like a 47040, which is okay. about average. It's not a red flag, but it's certainly not a positive. And we see this show up in the stat sheet. He has an average over 11 point five yards per reception in either of his two years. And we look at all the elite Titans in the past, even two decades, Mm -hmm. which is a lot of what I cover in thread. There's only one who did it without averaging like more than, if you put it this way, if you want to get over 900 yards, you have to average more than 11 yards per reception for 80 receptions. Other than that, you need a ridiculous amount of targets and receptions to even get to a thousand yards at 11 yards per reception. So TJ Hawkinson, he just, he's not fast enough to, to do it. He's not making yards after the catch, uh, explosive big plays. He's got, uh, he's probably gonna have a lower a dot. And last year we saw it. He had the path. He was with Marvin Jones. He was the one B to Marvin Jones, one a, and he had 67 again, second year, 67 receptions, 723 yards. And now this year, the wide receiver force a little bit worse. I mean, they improved like their wide receiver two and three. They they added depth. Marvin Jones uh, to Tyrell Williams is is a downgrade, but they added depth, so it's not that much worse. Kenny G didn't play last year, so he was already gone. He played five games last year. And again, we we talked about it earlier. Matt Stafford's a lot better than Jared Goff. The, the, The Rams just paid two first round picks to turn Jared Goff into Matthew Stafford. Jared Goff's a, a big time, big time downgrade for Matthew Stafford. So TJ Hawkinson with 101 Matthew Stafford targets last year, got 723 yards, seven yards, 7.2 yards per target and averaged 11 fantasy points per game. So where you're drafting him, you need more than that. You need 13, 14 because Last year, we had three tenants who averaged above 15. Travis Kelsey who was at like 21 fantasy points per game or 20.4, uh, something like that uh, off the top of my head. Darren Waller, 17 and a half fantasy points per game. George Kittle's at 15 and a half. After that, next best thing was Mark Andrews, 12.2. Then he had three guys at 11, which was Hawkinson, Logan Thomas, Ta- uh, Robert Tunyon. And then like 20 guys between 11 and eight. So really if TJ Hawkinson gets even 12, 13, you're not getting anything separating, like maybe two points per game from the, from the middle pack. And unlike Mark Andrews, who at least offers some volatility where he can go off in a given week, like there's not going to be a whole lot of touchdowns to be scored in, in Detroit. Like Mark Andrews, I I can understand the case because when he's hot, he's hot. Right. Like the points per game might be very similar to CJ Hawkinson, but the volatility might actually be like a, a bonus because he can have like that big time boom performance. I don't know if TJ Hawkins is going to really boom at any point this year. Uh, he's going to be a sturdy pick. He's not going to kill you. 
Um, but I would rather weigh and draft like if I'm going to punt tight end, I'd rather draft Noah Fant, who I think will be within one point per game of TJ Hawkinson. Uh, I think he'll also be commanding about 100 targets. He'll probably have 20, maybe 25 targets less, but he's going to have higher yards per target. Um, and he's going to come four or five rounds cheaper. Then he can have a backup like uh, Jono Ingram Everett, who we talked about. Uh, he, he's my avoid uh, of the year, I would say, is TJ Hawkinson. And, especially in Dynasty where people are going crazy. It might go up a little bit more if he does perform. They have two first-round picks each of the next drafts. They're going to – that situation that's propping his value up a little bit right now, mm-hmm. situation bonus, right, because of the no-target competition, it's not going to exist for long. Uh, so if you can get a plus on top, get an ascending guy, another guy like Noah Fant, who's also young, uh, very athletic, who's going to demand targets, who has demanded targets every year of his uh, two-year career – this is the time to do it. I think is to cash out on TJ Hawkinson. Do you like, uh, I know you're a fan of Noah fan, but do, do you like Teddy Bridgewater in fantasy? I'm, I'm a tough guy to ask. I'll tell you that. Cause I, I, I did like him last year and I liked him a little bit too much. It's been like that. I had my uh, rose colored uh, glasses on for Teddy Bridgewater. And I thought he had all the weapons and that the weapons were going to prop him up, so to speak. And, you know, how could he not be really good with all these guys around him? Didn't work out like that. And then we know what Teddy Bridgewater is at this point. It's become pretty clear. He's a safe guy. He's not going to go out there and do anything crazy. Uh, he's going to he's going to run the play you call, and he's going to, you know, try and make the safe play. Um, it is what it is. We're hoping for Noah Fink to get some sort of quarterback upgrade. But I think relative to last year and his rookie year, that's the thing with Denver relative to the past two years. Teddy Bridgewater's great. He was great. With two years ago, we had Joe Flacco for however many games. I think it was f- more than five games. A rookie, rookie Drew Locke. Uh, we've had last year Drew Locke again for, uh, I don't know, 13 games. We had Jeff Driscoll. Mm-hmm. We had, uh, I don't know, Rippian. I think I can't even remember these guys. We had the Kendall Hinton game last year. Oh uh, man! So, I mean, the relatively this offense, even in Teddy Bridgewater's hand, is going to be in exponentially better hands than they were the past two years. So, okay, maybe you don't like Teddy Teddy B for Noah Fan, but do you like him for Jerry Judy? <sighs> I, I I'm not a. You're not a Jerry Judy guy. I'm not on either side of the Jerry Judy line. I'm right in the middle. Uh, you know, I'm not one of these people who's in love with Jerry Judy, and I'm yeah. not one of these people who just uh, dismissing him. Um, I think he's a good player, and I, I think he's properly valued. I prefer Chase Claypool where Jerry Judy's going. I think they're Judy's typically going back behind Claypool, but I've seen a I've seen him leap in front of Claypool a few times. I'm not on board with that, um, but I I like Jerry Judy. I think he's a good player. All right, David, we've talked a lot about tight ends. I know you are – you like Noah Fant, Kyle Pitts. Those are the guys you're, you're drafting and trading for. It sounds like you're trading away TJ Hawkinson. And, you know, who are you holding in Dynasty in 2021? It's tough to say because, like I said, uh, I just started Dynasty two years ago. So a lot of mine are fresh startups, a lot of my teams, other than a couple from last year. Mm-hmm. Um but in terms of like, I did take on a couple orphans. Okay. I think the play was 
to sell these any one of the top three times you, you could for Kyle Pitts. That window's passed, I think. At this point, I think you, you're not going to be able to trade any of them. So you're just you're holding the elite tight ends, like all three of them, Kelsey, Waller, Kittle, unless you can get Noah Fant in return. Like Kyle Pitts, obviously, um, but like I said, that's fast. No Fant, otherwise – I don't want to trade down into TJ Hawkinson personally. Uh, I don't want to, you know, trade down into Dallas Goddard or, or just trade them away for picks. Like I will ride these guys into the sunset. I think at this point, you're probably not going to have much of another option unless, unless you want to go try and cash out now. No fan. You can probably get a pretty solid plus plus on top of no fan. If you're trying to cash out Travis Kelsey, trying to cash out, um, on George Kittle or Darren Waller and turn them into no, if you're one of those teams that's just asset depleted and you really are not going to win with these guys and you need to turn them into something. Um, I think then you can tell them, but other than that, just hold them, right? Write these guys into the sunset. Hey, you, you make a pretty compelling case there, sir. Now, David, I know this has been a, a, a tight end um, themed episode. I felt like you, you've you had quite a few bold takes somewhat with your, your thoughts on TJ Hawkinson and whatnot. So let me ask you this. I know on the show sheet here, it says, what is your bold tight end take for 2021? Would you say you have another bold take in you as far as tight ends go? Or what, should we go with a, a different uh, theme take just because of, you know, you've shared a lot of information on tight ends. Um, well, my bold take was gonna be Adam Troutman, not a top twenty tight end, which was you know, was totally like bold weeks ago, even. But now it's a, prior to Monday night, right? So, well, injury. I will say my bold take. I don't have any. I don't want to manufacture one. Just I don't think I have any. Like it's just it's pretty cut and dry for me like invest in a top three tight end in the first two rounds and if you draft get one of those three if not you consider consider a mid-round tight end uh, with boom potential Kyle Pitts potentially Mark Andrews depending how early you have to come if they go earlier around earlier than you want wait grab Noah Fant later who I still believe even with Cortland Sutton returning there will be enough quarterback improvement. He'll still demand 100 plus targets. He'll be startable every week, have boom potential. And then just grab one of the, the trio for backups Ingram, Everett, Jonu. Uh, don't draft Adam Troutman no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> and, or Tyler Higby. Don't, don't take Tyler Higby above Noah Fant. I mean, don't do that. Is that bold? <laughs> I mean, it's it's not bold. It's just that I feel bad because, man, you you really – I'm sitting here looking back. I'm like, I would ask you a question, and you gave so much information. You have so much uh, good tight end thoughts on on all of them. And, I, you know, I, it's just – it's it's funny to me how much information you have right off the top of your head about every tight end tight end there. So not it's not that it's not bold. It's just like, man, I'm just trying to remember everything that you thought you've discussed tonight. If you ever are coming up with a bold take for a tight end – question yourself because it's you gotta really it's tough to manufacture that level of excitement for any tight end because it's very ambiguous and it takes a lot to be above replacement level it's not as simple even we saw robert tunyon this past year at double digit touchdowns he scored right and he still only averaged 11 points per game which was 
one point per game above replacement level. So it takes more than just one factor. Bottom line, a player needs to be really, really good to, to be an elite tight end. And I think that was Darren Waller kind of like affirmation this year. That's just like a reminder. Like you have to be a really, really good player. And the other stuff doesn't matter quite as much. You know, if, if you're a really good player who can be the number one target on the team, you're a really athletic wide receiver type player. Uh, that, that's what matters more than anything. Agreed. I mean, I even think if somebody were to say that they have a bold tight end take and they said Kyle Pitts, number one tight end overall, I don't think at this point that would be bold at all. I think it would be bold. And if we're talking in a redraft format, just because of Travis Kelsey, you're at that point, you're predicting injury because Travis Kelsey has finished as the tight end one for five straight seasons, five years in a row, sir. Yes, sir. And it wasn't even close last year. We talked about like the difference between just like the, the gap, like this between TJ Hawkinson and like Jared Cook was like the same amount as between Kelsey and Kill. Right. <laughs> it is like a ginormous gap, like for him to go fall even to 15 points per game. That would be like more than a 25% reduction from last year. And there's no reason to suggest that. Uh, there's, him having a 25% statistical reduction. There's no added target competition. As, as a matter of fact, there might be less. Uh, so that is extremely bold. To, and I think it's bold to say uh, Kyle Pitts over George Kittle. So I have an anti-bold take. Anti-bold take because I think a lot of people are are dismissing George Kittle because of one, Brandon Ayuk, to the, the rookie quarterback. And again, George Kittle, even last year, he played eight games. Brandon Ayuk played seven of those games. George uh, Debo Samuel played, I believe, five of those eight games. George Kittle, even still banged up, he had reduced snaps in two of those games. He still put up 634 yards in eight games. That's a 1,260-yard pace. Uh, even with C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins started the three combined games of those eight. So Trey Lance, again, he will probably play the second half of the year and uh it will change the offense but i don't believe they're going to run more they can just run differently i believe that's what will happen is they're going to run more read option it will change the way in which they call run plays but look at last year they were had nick mullins and cj bethard do we do we really think they need to scale back what they were doing with those two guys for trey lant think they need to scale it back somehow and call less pass plays uh, with with Trey Lance, even with his growing pains, I don't believe that. I believe he'll be a better quarterback than those two last year. And again, a lot of it is Kyle Shanahan. Man, you know, man, I'm one of those guys. I'm a Shanahan stan. Shanahan stan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those guys. And uh, I have full faith that Kyle Shanahan will get the ball into his playmaker's hands, his best playmaker's hands. He's done that with ease uh, throughout his time calling plays. So I believe Ayuk season is upon us and George Kill season spawns. And Debo Samuel, if he stays healthy, will still be a, a fine wide receiver three. And Trey Sermon, yeah, I think you should draft Trey Sermon too. Uh, so that, that's about what I got for bold takes or anti-bold takes. George Kittle, do not take Kyle Pitts over him and redraft this year. Don't do it. Well, yeah, I gave you, I gave you the I gave you a bold take for the episode, and then you gave me a a 2020 
Cliff Notes version of George Kittle's production. So I appreciate that. I can see, <laughs> you know, you mentioned you're working on an encyclopedia. I feel like asking you a question is like looking into an encyclopedia. Oh, man, you're going to make me blush. <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you what, you've made me feel a lot better about drafting George Kittle in my uh, FFPC best ball league. I'll tell you that. Just cross your fingers, man. If he stays healthy, he's always, always, always going to produce, I think, in this system. Uh, just cross those fingers as long as he can stay healthy. I'd like to get your your thoughts on these first three picks and 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 that draft and the FFPC. I took Christian McCaffrey, DK Metcalf, and George Kittle with my first three picks. What What are your thoughts there on that start? I think that's a great start, except you should have went Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, and then then wide receiver. Because you miss on the wide receiver in round two, there's another wide receiver you love next, right? You, you miss on George Kittle, then again, we're talking about that teardrop, like 15 and a half points per game to 12.2 mm-hmm. last year. That was what you're dropping from when you dropped to George Kittle. You're not getting above 12.2 last year. So you got to really ask yourself because you can find guys at Wido who will help produce their ADP. Oh, yeah. You might end up with guys who end up as top 10, 12 receivers. Mm-hmm. You don't have that kind of depth and uh, ability to take bullet, sh- bullet shots at, you know, the tight end position. Yeah. We pretty much know, like, there's not going to be a whole lot of guys who go above 12 and there's certainly not going to be a whole lot of guys going above 15. Mm-hmm. So I think George Kittle's your second round pick. Then I can then find a wide receiver. If you get sniped on DK, you take CeeDee Lamb. You get sniped on CeeDee Lamb, you take uh, I don't know Keenan Allen. You get sniped on Keenan Allen, you take Chris Godwin. I mean, you, you just keep coming up with names. Well, David, I do apologize. Maybe I should have mentioned this. I have the number one, the number one overall pick. So you know, when it came back to me, I I took DK Metcalf oh, and then I oh, yeah, immediately I took I George Kittle. I should have known Kittle. that with McCaffrey. <laughs> but. And, you know, I guess it's just a point. I try and hammer. Home. I hear you. I think, uh, and I do uh, habitually, even when I do have McCaffrey, when I still take the tight end first, just because I like to have the point be made. You take the tight end first in the second round. Don't right. ever think I'll be able to grab him around on the third. I'll be able to get him in the third. If you, you want to put want, your money where your mouth is, right? If you want the tight end, uh, especially that's what I say with the second round too. Second round, like if you really want Waller, or even Kittle, like if you if you don't trust him to fall, you can take him at the end of the first round. You can take him at the end of the first. If you're going to take him in the second round, you, you can take him in the first because there's going to be again another running back. There's a this is a deep class of the top tier of running backs this year, like carrying through the end of the second round, sometimes into the third round. Mm-hmm. So if you really want those tight ends, reach for that top tight end early. You know, some of your league mates, especially in casual leagues, they'll give you the whole like, yeah, well, he took a tight end round one. I want it. You know, you get that kind of like, you, know, you blow their minds. But don't be afraid to do, to reach for the, for the three up top. Uh, eventually, I think next year we'll, we'll be reaching for Kyle Pitts early, and re, or I will will be too, uh, reaching for Kyle Pitts and redraft. I'm sure we will. Well, David, man, I I appreciate you joining me tonight, man. It was a, a fun discussion. I really truly learned learned quite a bit here in the short time. I know you mentioned that the guru site is uh, somewhat gathering dust right now while you're working on the uh, building the encyclopedia. I'm really excited to read that just especially after this conversation. But do you have any other work or, you know, maybe, uh, yeah, any other work that you can share with everybody and where they can find it? Uh, Yeah, if you want to see any of my work, you can find it on Twitter. I'm pretty much 
um, strictly Twitter until the website is up and then I'll be kind of redirecting you guys there, you know, trying to steal your clicks and your views <laughs> you know, or earn them. I should say, I'm going to try and earn them do my goddamn, oh, I'm, I don't know if you might have to no, edit that out. <laughs> I'm going to do my damn best trying to <laughs> earn those views, you know? Uh, but yeah, I'll have, I'm going to have a good time with it. Uh, eventually when the website's up, I'll, I'll give you guys some of those links too. And Dave, you know, while we're getting you out of here, remind the people where they can find you on Twitter. If you do want to follow me, you can find me at Guru Fantasy World WRLD. Hey guys, again, I am Paul Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan 15. We appreciate you joining us and we'll see you guys next week.